0: Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma... You may find us at HealingWithWorth.org.
1: Hello, everyone. We have a special episode for you today. The following recording is part of a class taught to members of the Worth program by women who are working their own recovery. It's edited to keep the class participants' information private, but we wanted to make it available to you to give you some insight on what's available at Worth. We hope you enjoy. So, Welcome to our Work Foundations. We have Cara here with us today and she will be sharing some information on dietary wellness and recovery.
0: We will give the time to you, Cara. Thank you, Hallie. It is good to be here. Um, Like Hallie said, I have a great passion for um, nutrition and health and wellness. And um, my program or the The feeling that I had being called to the program of holistic nutritionists was because I really do feel like there's, um, so much to the whole, the whole package, the whole dynamic of body, 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 mind and spirit and the way that everything's connected and works together. One thing that, um, I have really integrated into my life is utilizing whole foods that has been a huge passion for me is just getting things in their their purest form um unprocessed form and um as i have um kind of gone back and forth with with what i've done i felt like this is just there's something really to this i um started off in 2003 really getting into nutrition and learning more about whole grains um, because really it was like wheat was the grain. And um, in 2003, I started learning about all the other kinds of grains. I had like a shelf, three shelves in my kitchen that just were covered in grains. I think there was like 25 different grains that I had up on my shelves and um, really learning to utilize them on a daily basis. Learning the different functionalities of them, and so that kind of really, I started going deeper into learning the nutrition of um, this wide variety of grains. In about 2010, 2009, um, I started researching for my son because he has severe behavior issues, and um, and I've always heard that diet can really help in in curbing and helping. Um, Behavior issues because of the way that the um, it influenced the way people feel. And so um, I started really researching, and we had already been eating a really healthy diet. Um, and and so it was kind of learning what about certain foods that we were eating that could have been causing things. We ended up doing the GAPS diet, which is a really, really regimented protocol um, where there were... Um, We cut out lots of food groups and um, changed, overhauled a lot of our eating. And it was a really neat experience. I felt really inspired in doing it um, because we did it together as a family. We knew that um, our son would not think it was fair to just um, have him on a specific diet and not be able to have things. And he would feel really, he would feel like deprived watching everybody else eat what he wanted to eat. And so we decided to do it as a whole family. And so we kind of stopped, stopped going to like big gatherings where they were going to be having lots of food where that he couldn't eat. And we ate a lot more at home. And we all ate the same food to make it seem not as drastic to him. And in that time, I noticed tons of things that I didn't even realize were issues one of them was I started sleeping through the night like without waking up at all and I didn't even know that was a thing I didn't know people did that and um and I didn't know that it was I didn't recognize how often I was waking up until I slept like laid down and didn't wake up until morning some things with like I didn't realize I had anxiety but I had like some compulsive behaviors like picking my fingers and shaking my leg. And um, after about six months, I realized, like, I'm not doing those things anymore. And I never even realized I was doing them until I stopped doing them. And so all these little things, um, my skin cleared up, I had, um, I had some hormonal issues with my skin that would happen like twice a month and um and i wasn't having that anymore um my periods got really really easy to handle before they were they were a big pain and i always would have a few days of being kind of miserable and so there are all these little things that i didn't even realize were things until they were gone and then i was like wow that was pretty amazing so the whole protocol had to do with healing your gut and um and so as i started learning more and more about how important it is to take care of our stomachs and digestive systems. I started to become, um, become a lot more aware of what I was putting in my body. And then when D-Day hit, I was miserable and just everything felt bad all the time. And it kind of just felt like, why would I put in this much effort into eating well when I don't feel, it's not going to help me feel good anyway. And um, and so I just kind of put it all on the back burner. Like, I don't have time for that. I'm I need comfort right now. Um, this isn't improving my life anyway in noticeable ways. And um, and it really it took a while. It took a while for me to come back to it. And when I did, I noticed huge improvements. So I'm going to get on with the, with the lesson. I have a screen share. All right. So we're going to go into our symptoms of digestive distress. So there are so many symptoms of digestive distress. I put up here some of the, um, the beginning, the beginning signs. Um, a lot of issues with digestion actually can in the long run become a lot of different, um, like can cause disease, a lot of different disease. Autoimmune disease is a big one, especially in trauma. And so, um, and so these are just the beginning. These are the beginning symptoms of digestive distress. The information that I'm using today, I decided to take from a really good book. It's called The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. And this is one of the quotes that the author has in there. Trauma disrupts our digestion as predictably and dangerously as it does our thinking and feeling and what's going wrong in our gut causes further damage to our brain. And this additional damage will over time cause more problems for our gut as well as our mind. And I kind of felt like this was like the answer to me feeling like I was spinning my wheels, feeling like I had all of these tools and and I was still not feeling well and i needed to get back to um to taking care of my gut and my digestion had really suffered these are three of the basic things that um that go wrong in our digestive system there's actually probably 20 more things that he talks about in his book and so um if you want to really dive deep into the science um i would recommend you you do that he's got a whole chapter on the biology and then he's got a whole chapter on on the, the diet portion. So the first thing is the villi. The villi are little projections, they're like hair-like threads that line the, um, the small intestines. And these absorb nutrition that are, for the nutrients in our food for every cell in our body. And so when these are damaged and we're not even absorbing the nutrition of our food, we're not getting, we're not getting the thing, we're not getting things out of the food. And so even if our food is, is not super nutrient dense, the the nutrients that are in there, we're not even getting it. And so this is a huge concern. Um, the next one is the endothelial. These are the cells that line the small intestines, and they're supposed to form really tight junctions with one another. They're semi permeable. And so they know what is okay to allow through the intestines and what's not okay to allow through. But these junctions get loosened and they pull apart, they split, they separate, and um, proteins from our foods that we're eating can leak into the bloodstream. And those don't belong there, and those cause all kinds of problems. Then our um, then our bodies are um, that's that's when we really are feeling rotten, and when things um, there's a lot of, I guess, like the, the need to detox the need to I mean, it's because it's, it's basically, um, you know, proteins that are unbroken down, we're not getting the nutrition from because they're not going through our small intestines, they're coming out into our bloodstream. And then our blood is having to work extra hard to um, our livers are working extra hard to get that all out of there. Um, and then the third part is the microbiome. So the microbiome are the trillions and trillions of bacteria that live in the intestines. And these, this bacteria is an integral part of our immune system. Um, it produces many of the neurotransmitters that we rely on, um, all of those feel good hormones that our bodies naturally know how to make our microbiome, um, contributes to that. And, um, A lot of what happens with our microbiome is that there's a balance in our microbiome of healthy bacteria and pathogenic bacteria. And what happens in trauma is that the pathogenic bacteria start getting stronger and wiping out the good bacteria. And so we have this really unhealthy balance that starts happening. Okay, so... In trauma, it's really interesting that um, that there's a there's a short term gain in all of this stuff happening, all of these effects that are going on in our body that are leading to our digestive tracts being um, damaged. There is there's a there's a purpose for that. Our bodies are smart. They're they're made to be to do these things for the short term in order to allow us to have all of this rise in chemicals to help us get through the, the tragedy, the emergence. One of the things in acute stress, we need quick energy. This goes to our heart, our lungs, our large muscle groups so that, so that we can survive this emergency. For this quick energy, we crave sugary foods. So these sugary foods reduce, reduce high cortisol levels. What, what is cortisol? Have you guys heard of cortisol? Oops, I went the wrong way. You guys heard of cortisol? Is that the stress hormone? Yeah, that's the stress hormone. So cortisol is going to make you feel really anxious and wired, right? But reducing it makes you feel calm and collected and sharp. And so that's a good feeling. It feels really good to have, you know, the, the high levels of cortisol we have in the stressful situation. We eat the sugary foods. And it dampens them, and we get sharper. It stimulates dopamine. What does dopamine do for us? So dopamine is another neurotransmitter, and it tells us everything's gonna be okay. It helps us to feel good, like we've got this. We can take care of this. We're in control. So dopamine is another, like one of those, one of those chemicals that our body naturally makes that feels really, really good. And you know that's that's one of the the things that In addiction that people are craving is those feelings of feeling good, like they're in control, they're in charge, everything's going to be okay. Um, it also floods the brain with tryptophan. Um, so tryptophan is the amino acid that we receive. Our brain converts it to serotonin. So that might be a little bit more commonly heard as serotonin. Basically the same thing. It's just a different step in the process. What does serotonin do for us? So an antidepressant, what it does is it blocks the uptake of serotonin so serotonin doesn't get reabsorbed and so it creates an opportunity for more serotonin to be in your body at a time and um and yeah exactly serotonin is what we need to feel our moods elevate to feel like we're in a good mood to feel like we um we can have a positive perspective about things have that um healthy outlook so serotonin is another one. Like of course, that feels really good to have serotonin flooding our brain. Um, it impairs memory, which is helpful in these emergencies because that also includes impairing difficult memories. So it drowns out those those memories of the really hard things that we're going through and we're dealing with. Um, it increases levels of endogenous opioids. So this is indigenous, is like what is just natural, what our bodies naturally make. Um, So opioids, those are very strong um, chemical feelings of well-being. Just things are really good. Um, And then it also is very comforting. So it brings up these memories of childhood, of being comforted. We have these associations with sugary foods. Of um, of a celebration, we have these associations of a time of connection, people connecting with us and loving us, and so it brings up all of these really good memories, awesome from childhood, um, that also um, is very comforting. So there's a lot of reasons why we turn to sugar. That it's not something to um, to be to feel any shame about. There's a purpose to it and our bodies are drawn to the, these things because of our situation. Um, the problem is, is with the long-term loss. So in the short term, um, it gives us all these things, the effects start to reverse in our systems, And instead of cortisol, rise, lowering the cortisol rises, instead of the serotonin rising, the, cor- the serotonin drops um, dopamine and endorphins get depleted, which means that like, there's no more ability to make them, especially at the level that is helpful. Um, and so we get really depleted in those. Um, there's another, there's another, um, chemical it's called brain derived neurotropic factor and that depletes. And what that contributes to is, um, actually there's a few things that it contributes to let me look at my notes so i oh it's not in my notes um but one of the things that is is damaging when this depletes it damages the hippocampus which is part of our brain um it's part that holds memory and so when that starts getting damaged we start losing losing our memories. And that makes it harder to function in daily life when we can't remember why we walked into a room or what we wanted to do here when we're trying to learn something and study something. Um, It adds to inflammation, which is another huge, a huge issue in trauma. Inflammation is basically swelling of the tissues in different areas of our body. And the more inflammation that we have, the more apt to disease and sickness we have. It also contributes to the accumulation of visceral fat deposits. Does anybody know what the difference between just get, just gaining weight and accumulating visceral fat is? The, the visceral fat is the fat that forms around our organs. And that this kind of fat is the most unhealthy. It's the most difficult to lose. It's the most difficult to even notice because even somebody who is very thin, can have high levels of visceral fat. And so it, it doesn't, it doesn't really look like what we think it would look like. Um, so we can't really see this symptom happening. Um, but that's what, that's what it's trying, what it's trying to do is it's trying to like encapsulate all the things that are all the, um, all the trauma, all the stress, all the toxins. And it's just trying to hold them in one place so that they're not just free, freely in our system. And, um, and it gets held close to our organs, which is really, really damaging and really dangerous for, um, for our longevity, for our health. Um, it increases the insulin and triglycerides. Um, so insulin makes you, it will make you more apt to have diabetes or blood sugar issues, hypoglycemia. Um, triglycerides has to do with cholesterol and heart disease. Um, it's also very addictive. And so, Most of the time um, when we are in trauma and we are utilizing sugar to help us cope, we are going to experience withdrawal in the time that we decide, okay, I need to step away from this. I need to change. And, And so that's another thing that makes it really hard to get over that hump and not to stay in that vicious cycle of feeling these symptoms, feeling these memories come up, feeling these emotions come up. Um, and wanting a, some relief and knowing that sugar is that constant relief that's always available to us. So has anybody had an experience that they want to share with their health? like that that resilience, right? That as we as we do this this act of self-care and recognizing how our body's responding to different things and how we can help it and how we can improve, are um, you know, that resilience, that that's a huge act of self care. And it does it. I mean, what I, I'm not trying to scare you by sharing this, I'm trying to, I'm trying to validate this is why this is why it's so hard. This is why we get stuck in this pattern. Um, this is why, um, why we did it to start with and why it's hard to get out of. And, um, and I mean, I think that along there, I mean, there's so many things more than this. our Our culture that we live in makes it makes it difficult too. It is something you have to be really mindful of to eat well because the food that's plentiful, that's right in front of us, that's being offered to us on a regular basis is is not the kind of food that is healing and um, in our recovery and taking care of ourselves. That is one of the you know devastating parts about trauma is that it does lead to lead to so many health conditions. And it's because of, um, you know, the, the, both the stress and what the stress craves. And so when we're working off of what the stress craves to be managed um, and not utilizing our our knowledge and our ability to override to choose for ourselves the agents unto ourselves we really get stuck in that pit and um and just just learning the knowledge itself has a has an effect because then we bring it up into awareness and we have this awareness of what are those good choices and what are those not so good choices and then we're making a more deliberate choice about what we're putting into our body. And that in itself is self care, saying I'm going to choose to have this even though I know it's not good for me. And I'm choosing it because of this in this moment, I'm going to choose this, because I know it's good for me. And I'm choosing it because of this reason in this moment. Just that alone has an effect. You know, we do these these healing things for a time to get our bodies back on track. And it it's gonna take a while because things have gotten kind of um roughed up in our in our process and depending on um how our bodies handle things and how long we've been going through things um you know like Laura said just there are different um different degrees in what we need to pay attention to it it's not like um it's all or nothing it's not like you know, you eat something that's bad for you, and then you might as well just continue. It's, you know, you get back on the wagon and you, you make an, another choice. You make another conscious decision about what you're going to eat from from that point out or for that day or for that next bite. It's not something that just because you um, you cheated or you chose to eat something that's not on your protocol or that you know that isn't healthy for you it doesn't mean that it's the end. There's always another, another opportunity to feed your body nourishing food. Um, also the keto diet has been mentioned a few times. So I just wanna explain um, to those who might not be familiar, um, just briefly, there's a lot to it, but um, the ketogenic diet is a very low carbohydrate diet. And so the idea of it is for it to be so low I think it's like under 20 grams for most people it's supposed to be so low so that your body isn't using carbs for energy anymore it goes into your fat stores and uses fat for energy and this um causes a switch in your um, metabolism a switch in the way that your body functions and so you have you don't you don't have that insulin you have these more good feeling hormones because you're in ketosis ketosis usually used to mean just like, um, athletes and stuff would be able to achieve ketosis. And now they've done enough science that we can figure out how we can be able to be in ketosis by, um, dietarily restricting our carbohydrates. Um, and then it was also mentioned that, um, it was hard on, um, it's hard on the gallbladder, And some people do have that experience because it's also a very high in fat diet. And the gallbladder is what um, excretes bile in order for us to metabolize fat. And so if your gallbladder is really taxed already um, from stress and other um, environmental issues or even um, issues from genetics, um, that can be a problem for your gallbladder. But there's definitely ways to work around that and not, not utilize the high fat content that is often in the ketogenic diet. Um, the, I mean, a lot of times people use it to curb their appetite so that they're not craving the carbs. And so they're utilizing fat to curb, curb their appetite. So that's just a brief overview of what that is in case, in case you guys were wondering. And I think also like as we gain more knowledge too, our understanding changes as we gain knowledge and Heavenly Father is able to utilize that knowledge that we have to direct us further. And so I think that that, that's another key component is continuing continuing to pay attention to your body and to educate yourself. And um, in the more knowledge that you have, that's there. One thing that is really tricky, I feel like in the way of um, health nutrition diet, is that there's so much um, conflicting studies and evidence out there and so it takes a lot of discernment. It takes a lot of that personal awareness, that personal attunement, and, um, and taking time with Heavenly Father, who knows your body functions way better than anybody out there, including you. He knows how your body functions and what your body needs. And so utilizing the information that you have and going to him to receive that discernment is super important because there is, there's there's so much conflicting stuff to weed through. And so that's, you know, this, even teaching this class, it is my interpretation on what has worked for me, what in, um and also, you know, based off of this, the transformation, um, James Gordon's um, research that he's done and what speaks to me. And there's even stuff in his research. One of the things that he talks about is plant protein. And I do believe in plant protein. I feel like that is a really, um, healthy, um, you know, and talking about like nuts and beans, um, that's a really healthy alternative to meat. Um, but my digestion doesn't do well with nuts and beans right now. My digestion just doesn't like nuts and beans right now. And I feel like meat is more gentle on my gest- digestion. He also recommends soy. And from what I've researched about soy and feel, um, is, my understanding with my, based in what I've come up with in my discernment with Heavenly Father, I don't feel like soy is, is a healthy food. And so that's something that I've cut out of my diet while he's promoting it. And so there, I mean, even when you are reading something that you feel like you're really compelled, there can still be those bits and pieces that don't quite set right and so it's kind of like recovery work you know you take you take what works for you what speaks to you and you leave the rest
1: another part of the puzzle piece i'm sorry i'm not on screen today but is that nuts seeds and grains all need to be prepared a certain way for our body to absorb the nutrients in them and if they're not then they um, block the minerals in our bodies so um grains seeds of any kind and um, legumes all need to be soaked and um, soaked to release their bio bio availability to the system that's how they were all um, done traditionally all the traditional preparations associated with those things um, were have all been traditional methods going way way back and they're because they're so prevalent in our diets without being uh, prepared that way, you know, all our crackers that we eat are not certainly soaked, but they they're filled with wheat. And so it just it's just another part of the puzzle piece as to why um, our systems don't really deal with it very well and um because they've been damaged types of foods because they haven't been prepared properly you know our 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 gut lining has been damaged by these foods um and it does take some time for healing to occur before you can kind of reintroduce these foods because of that. I don't know if I, I mean, that makes sense, but anyway.
0: No, I'm so glad you're here, Janine. Janine also has a background in nutrition and um, and it's very true. It's kind of a I think a higher level step to take it. But um, so grains, nuts, and legumes have anti nutrients. They're like encased in this shell that protects them, um, and have these chemicals on natural chemicals that protect them from sprouting prematurely and it protects them from you know like and other animals eating them before they've had a chance to sprout and give life to a plant and so it's in their DNA it's in their nature to have this and so that's the the preparation of soaking it is what breaks that down breaks down those anti-nutrients so that we can actually um easier digest them and actually absorb the nutritional content that is in them And, um, you know, that's a whole nother, another side of things to look, to look at, to research. Um, if that's something that if you're struggling with digesting those things, that that can be a preparation that those healthy foods can be reintroduced into your diet in a healthy way. Um, and sometimes, like Janine said, like our bodies aren't just aren't ready for them yet. There's that amount of healing that needs to happen before even properly prepared. Um, nuts and seeds and legumes, including grains, um, can be can be tolerated. Thank you so much for your input, Janine. Please jump in anytime. Okay, so the trauma healing diet or the recovery diet, I think is a better term for it, but um, Dr. Gordon uses the trauma healing diet as his title. and. Um, so I just want to like recognize and validate that making dietary changes in early trauma is a considerable undertaking. This is advanced self-care. You know, there, there can be simple things that we can do in order to, um, to improve our eating in early trauma, but it really takes some intentionality. And so I'm suggesting that these, um, that these things be utilized incrementally, and that they're just something that line upon line, um, day by day, you can improve and have greater success with that. It's not something that um, is a, you know, from here on out, I'm not going to eat any, any sugar, right from here on out, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And um, there's no turning back. Um, So Dr. Gordon, in his book, he says, that there, um, it's a balanced approach to making dietary changes, not in a rigid way, but in a healthy direction. And so I think keeping that in mind that we're working on w- moving in a healthy direction, that it's not all about, it's not all or nothing. It's not black and white. It's something that we're working on moving in that healthy direction. And that's the goal with these suggestions. Um, so just for the awareness, the um, the first part is the elimination. So eliminating as much as, um, as much as you're able to, refined sugars. Refined sugars are in um, lots of different things. Um, they're added in the form of high fructose corn syrup, in the form of cane sugar. They are, um, you know, in essence, breads, that are made from flowers, they are um refined sugars because our body doesn't process them any different our body breaks them down into the simplest of sugars glucose and processes them that way so anything with bread is a sugar um so um any kinds of bread pasta cereal um even artificial sweeteners um they do damage to the gut but they also give our brains, the idea that we're getting something sweet. And so it still puts out the insulin. It's still, uh, it's, it can still have that harmful effect. Um, so that is for the eliminations. And then there's also eliminating gluten as much as possible and dairy. And the reason for these two, um, there is some there is some issue with digestion with digesting them on a normal basis but specifically in trauma remember how i talked about those tight junctions and how um those get separated the proteins and gluten and dairy are the two most common proteins that get through in those separated parts and cause problems in our bodies and so um if you've heard of the term food sensitivity, food sensitivities, it's not an allergy, but it's something because of the damage to your gut lining, things are getting through and having a reaction. And so um, Dr. Gordon recommends that these foods, gluten and dairy be taken out of your diet for a time. And he just says a month or two. And I think that that is that is so wise. I think a lot of people need more than that. But at the same time, you will have a good idea of how gluten and dairy are affecting you if you just take them out for a month or two. And so, those are two recommendations that are found in a lot, a lot of literature. Gluten and dairy are two of the highest um, influ- inflammatory foods when there's damage to the gut lining, especially. Um, and then processed foods is another one that's on that list. And um, you know, processed foods that's a wide scope. And so it's just the least processed, the better, you know, even applesauce is processed to a degree um, because the apples have been cooked and the apples have been um, pulverized. And a lot of times the skins have been removed. Sometimes there's sugar added. You know, So even basic foods are processed, but there's a different degree of processing. It's close to their original state. As possible, you know, if you're picking something off the tree and eating it, that is an unprocessed food. But there's degrees on that, and you know, when we're talking about adding lots of chemicals, where you have lots of additives and preservatives in your your food, that's a highly processed food, and those especially are are very inflammatory, which means that they contribute to the inflammation in our bodies, um, which which is a breeding ground for disease.
2: Are you single? Worth YSA is for single women of all ages. Empower yourself and eliminate fears that can come with dating in a world where pornography is increasingly pervasive. Worth YSA is a 12-week class for women 18 and over to learn about how pornography affects relationships, what healthy recovery looks like, what healthy intimacy consists of, warning signs of abuse, red flags, setting healthy boundaries and more. Head to healingwithworth.org to enroll. Mindfully increasing and so I like I like the
0: idea of when we take something out, we put something in instead. And so we have something to focus on instead of instead of focusing on we're not going to do this, like you know, don't think of a pink elephant. Focus on what we are going to do, and that will naturally crowd out other things. Um, when we're when we're naturally when we are mindfully drinking more water, we are naturally going to be less hungry to eat other things. Our sugar is going to stay more stable naturally. Um, you know it doesn't take <laughs> totally take care of cravings, but it doesn't prove it. Um, non-starchy vegetables. Um, so vegetables are great. Any vegetable is great, you know. Even potatoes, even sweet potato, especially sweet potatoes. Even um, what are some more starchy vegetables? Um, starchy vegetables are still great, but mindfully increasing specifically the non-starchy vegetables. So um, greens, leafy greens, and uh, oh, carrots would be another starchy vegetable. Um, cauliflower, broccoli, asparagus. Um, you know, peppers, cucumbers, those are non-starchy vegetables, um, mindfully increasing fiber, which naturally with vegetables you're going to do, but eating more whole foods is going to increase fiber. A lot of processed foods have fibers taken out. Um, fermented food is something I wanted to touch on a little bit too. Fermented foods are going to offer you a lot of, um, probiotics. And the probiotics are something that replenishes your gut bacteria. Remember when we talked about the microbiome, this is going to replenish the good bacteria in your system. And so it just supports that healthy balance. Fermented foods, um, I'm not talking about things that have been soaked in vinegar. That's actually not fermenting. That's a form of pickling. Um, and it's a more modern day form of pickling. Fermented is um naturally brined pickle um, cucumbers that are, they're in a salt and water brine. Um, sauerkraut is another naturally fermented food. Beet kvass, that's an, another naturally fermented food. You will find these in the refrigerated section, not in the canned section because they have live microbes. Um, it's like yogurt. Um, yogurt has those live active cultures in them, um, but these fermented foods have way more potency. And you just have, you know, a little bit, just a couple tablespoons with your meal, and it helps you to digest it better. It helps um, to replenish those good bacteria. And then the last one in the increasing is turmeric. Turmeric is an er- is a spice. It is, um, very common in India. It's bright yellow. Um, and it has so many lovely anti-inflammatory, um, anti-inflammatory protective things that help us in overcoming the inflammation that stress has caused. It also has a really interesting, um, trauma connection trauma help and it prevents this consolidation of the fear memory so that we get really ingrained in fear in trauma because we live in it for so long to where that becomes our go to emotion when something happens we go to fear when something happens and it's just a natural thing that happens in our brain because of the habitualness of our our human nature. And so because we've gone to fear so much, that gets triggered really easily. And so it prevents that from continuing. The, the fear, the fear memory, it prevents that from continuing to come up. And, um, and so it's kind of that block, that safety system that puts a little block in between it so that you kind of have a little bit of time before your body automatically goes to fear. So that's a really cool thing in the research that they've done on um, turmeric. And um, I think that that's really amazing. And so you can add that, you can add that to food. Actually, turmeric you can take as well. Um, but turmeric is really easy to add to foods. It does stain though, so be careful with that. So exchanging, um, organic for conventional produce. The pesticides that are used on produce are disrupting to our system. It's disrupting our endocrine system. It's it's disrupting our digestive system. It's causing an increased need for our liver to work to clean out toxins. And our liver is already working overtime with trauma because the chemicals, the natural chemicals that our body makes, the hormones, the cortisol, those things that our body's already making to deal with the stress have to be cleaned up. They turn into toxins in our body. The adrenaline, that our body produces when we get scared, that turns into a toxin in our body and our our organs have to clean that up. So they're already working over time. So doing as much as we can to minimize the toxic load that is coming into our body, especially at this time um, is appreciated by our organs because they get worn out in doing the work that they have to do just dealing with the stress. Um, so organic for conventional produce. If you go online and look up the clean 15 and the dirty dozen, I think they actually started doing the dirty 15 as well. Um, but that will give you an idea of if you have to choose, these are the vegetables that are fruits and vegetables that have been shown to have the least pesticide residue on them that would be the clean 15 they will be shown to have the least and so in that case choosing organic over conventional isn't that big of a deal but there's also the dirty ones those are the ones that have the highest level of pesticides and so those are the ones especially in practicing this exchanging in the healing diet to um to really focus on getting organic like Strawberries are one of those things that are on the Dirty Dozen list, and I love strawberries, and I will not buy them. I will not buy them for me. I will not eat them myself if they are not organic. That's something that's a really hard decision for me to make because they can be really nice-looking and plentiful um, in their conventional form and, um, and much more expensive and a lot of times not as nice looking in their organic form. And so I've had to forego strawberries a lot of times in the past few years as I've been working to practice this exchange. Um, another exchange is pastured for conventional. So our meat system is run and based off of the need of our society of meat eaters and producing a lot of meat in a short amount of time with as little amount of money and as little amount of land. And because of this, the animals are being fed things that is not healthy for them, and they're being given hormones that is you know in their meat and ends up getting into us when we eat it. And so, um, and so in a conventional farm they are feeding their animals cheap things like corn and soy and then having to give their animals um antibiotics so that they don't get infections because their stomachs aren't made to handle that kind of a diet and they're living in close proximity and so they're standing in their own manure and they're not eating grass because it's all been you know way gone because there're way too many animals for the space to eat grass and um And so that's causing issues in return when we're eating that meat. And so a pastured animal is an animal that's raised with plenty of area to where they can forage for their own food. They might still be supplemented with um, like an alfalfa, some kind of a hay, um, but they're not fed grain um, except for chickens. Chickens are chickens are some are animals that do rely on grains. Not many chickens, not many egg-laying chickens um, will be solid on grass because they won't produce very many eggs. Their natural diet does include grain. and so um, so pasture. It, it, but it will say still say pastured on the package. It will say that they're pastured, that they're raised on pasture, and that that says that they have open to the sunshine and the grass. Um, cage-free eggs actually doesn't mean that they're in a pasture. Cage-free just means that they have um, a larger amount of space, but it could still be a dirt space. So pastured eggs, pastured meat are things to look for. They're going to be more expensive. Um, they're going to taste different. Some, some things might taste better to you and some things might not taste as good to you. So it's kind of something you have to get used to if you're going to make that choice. But those are um, those are some some important exchanges because of the way that our, our food reacts in our body and the way that we can tolerate it depending on the way that it's raised. All right, I'm going to go on because like I said, I um, really believe in this whole a holistic approach and i think that this is really important to understand um our parasympic nervous system is known as rest and digest our parasympathetic ner- nervous system is trying to get us in that state of calm so that we have that capability of di- digesting our food now in trauma we usually run in our sympathetic nervous system. And the sy- sympathetic nervous system is that flight, fight, flight, freeze. And so when we are running in that system, there is no healthy digesting going on. Our digestive tract actually shuts down. The All the muscles and the things that all work together, they stop functioning properly, optimally, I should say. So what happens is that the food that we've eaten sits in our digestive tract for a really long time because it's held up there. And as it's held up there, it starts creating problems as it ferments. There's um, more bad bacteria that it feeds and, um, and there's more pathogenic bacteria that start causing wreaking havoc and making us feel really yucky. And so you know, we can't always control the stress in our lives. We've experienced that. But we can control when we choose to eat, we can do something to put ourselves in a better place in a better position to be more likely to be able to digest our food. And so just being mindful and thoughtful, and I'm about to eat some food right now. And my body system is, you know, stressed out, you know, take that into consideration, do that body scan that's listed here, Um, figure out what your body is feeling and what it needs, what it might need to have some kind of relaxation in order for it to be more likely to digest your food properly. And so listed here are um, different strategies, I'm sure with worth and everything that you guys have experimented and come up with some of your own strategies that are useful. Um, you know, some of them like a warm bath. It's not like you can take a warm bath before every meal. Um, that's just an idea that might fit in sometimes. Um, yoga might be just a five minute yoga practice. Um, deep breathing can be something that just takes a few minutes. Trying to figure out what works for you and, um, and what can be kind of part of your protocol when you sit down to eat in order to mitigate a lot of the effects that the stress the trauma, the the high, dysregulated sympathetic nervous system, is is a, how it's affecting your digestion, and you can um, and you can do that by by taking um, stock of where you are and utilizing relaxation strategies. Um, have any of you guys had any experience? Oops. Have any of you guys had any experience with um, utilizing relaxation strategies before meals? Is that a totally new concept or is that something that you've integrated?
1: I've used them but not before meals. So that's kind of new to me. I will I'm gonna consider that. So yeah, I've used them but hadn't really thought about doing it before meals.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's that's totally normal and valid, like that we that we use them in our quiet time and meal time. Isn't usually our quiet time, right? We're getting things together. And once we get it all thrown on the plate, we need to eat and hurry up and, and get to the next thing. And especially as moms, you know, we're worrying about everybody else's food and getting them what they need during dinner time. And so, really taking time to do self care at mealtime um, can be um, quite a task to figure out how to implement utilizing something like your your prayer that you say before a meal or something utilizing that is just like a simple a a signal like this is a reminder that I need to stop and feel where I'm feeling and um and, and do what I can to relax and I like the um the chewing your food thoroughly like that's that's simple but it is something that that we often don't do we scarf or we eat really mindlessly Um, to to swallow to to swallow and really our digestion starts in our mouth with our saliva our saliva breaks down our food it's like a a, it's a pre-digestion phase and so if we're not giving our bodies a chance for that saliva to work up in our mouth and start that digestion process in our mouth then we're causing more stress work for the rest of our digestive system to do because it's skipping that first phase of digestion and so there's really simple things um that that can be done but they have to be something that we're aware of something that we're thinking of and um and working to implement and I know like um one of the things that I didn't include on here because he didn't talk about it all in his book and I wanted to use um I wanted to use stuff that was very medically, like all grouped together, together, like his diet for this, since I'm not um, a certified nutritionist yet. But um, one of the things that I've utilized is enzymes. And I feel like that's been something that's helped me to be able to digest, to have those that additional help. Um, But it's so hard for me to remember to take them before food. And so it's kind of the same with these, like, We have to just keep recognizing, oh, I forgot to do that. And what can I do in this moment now that I remember in order to help me remember earlier next time? And so a lot of times when with my enzymes, it would be like, okay, I forgot to take my enzymes. But instead of just saying, I forgot to take them, I'm going to go and I'm going to open the bottle or I'm going to go and I'm going to put the bottle on the counter so that I'm ready for lunch. Um, And like actually get up and move and have some kind of association with the bottle of enzymes was something that started helping me remember it early and earlier so that it wasn't something that I was forgetting and it was too late to use. Kara, I love how
1: you emphasized this um, this point of resting and digesting because I think even outside of trauma, our culture is not in a state of um, parasympathetic uh, state when we're eating and and so trauma just adds to this it's not just an issue with trauma it's just kind of an issue with our culture is how we don't really sit and enjoy our food and I have to I'm i am just gonna share this kind of interesting experience that I had when I was down in um, I was at the Ann Wigmore Center um, I think it was last year it might have been two years ago and uh, we had a little um, exercise that we did when we ate breakfast, and it was just um, we all ate together, kind of facing each other, like like around a table. But um, we would eat it so slowly, according to a bell that we heard. You know, so each time we heard the ding in amongst this beautiful music that we were listening to, there was no talking avail. You know, no no talking going on, just. Merely eating at when this bell was rung or this little ding. And um, it was very slowly. And just kind of what came up for each of us as we went through this exercise was very almost kind of spiritual in nature um, because we were so in tune with what our body wanted to do. Like many of us wanted to just rush through the, the eating process and, you know, and we kind of talked about what what that was like for each of us, but it, it just, it was an interesting exercise just to kind of get in touch with what I was actually doing at the time, you know, which was enjoying this meal, which doesn't happen when you're in a, um, a sympathetic state, you know, you're, you're kind of rushed, gulping it, not doing it. And, um, anyway, it was just kind of a fun fun exercise to do and to just be mindful of what, what I was actually doing at at the time. So.
0: That is awesome. And it's kind of like, like we talk about drills. We talk about those things that we can do in order to help us integrate these new ways of life, these new um, things to take care of ourselves and these new ways of self improvement. And, um, and something like that is one of those things, like it helps us to have that higher awareness, that greater recognition. And that's, that's really awesome. And it's so true. Like all of these things there is, um, are helpful in just our society as a whole, just our basic, um, standard American diet society, like our culture that eats, um, Eats very low quality, highly processed food in a very fast and unintentional way. Like all of these things that we've talked about can benefit anybody. Um, But the need for us, especially where we are at, where we're seeking healing, we're trying to improve, we're trying to get better, Um, we're in that prime spot also because we have that extra taxation on our systems, on our body systems of the trauma that's. A higher intensity of stress. Everybody is everybody's is dealing with stress. Um, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of stress. Trauma adds another layer of that stress. That that's pretty huge, and so it becomes more detrimental um, with that greater that greater space of stress that we deal with. Thank you for sharing that, Janine. All right. So the last part that I have talks about supplements and I, um, sometimes kind of shy away from this first of all, because I think in our culture, we think that a pill is going to take care of things. And so I can forget about all this other stuff and just take the pills and hope for the best. And that's not really how it works. That's not how supplements work. That's how pharmaceuticals work. Um, but they don't actually work they actually just cover things up so that they appear to be working and then things get worse down the road. So, um, so that's my, that's a little bit of my hesitation. They are all from his book. I didn't add any of my own ideas of supplements. Um, and so they're all from, from a doctor and they're, um, they're things that it makes sense to go to your own doctor and get tests. But I also believe that there's also that Um, inner knowing and that communication with Heavenly Father that can help and lead you in um, in what ways if any of these things might be helpful in your situation. So these are the um, the list of supplements that he recommended. Um, B vitamins, I agree. Stress increases the demand of B vitamins. Um, Hormones, women's hormones specifically, how we have a higher um output of hormones and a higher like need to regulate hormones in our bodies. Um they also create a higher demand of B vitamins and our soils are much more depleted of B vitamins than they've ever been. And so we're not getting as much from our food as would be helpful. Um and so B vitamins I'm talking about like folate, um vitamin B12, vitamin B six. Um, all of these are um, are really beneficial in times of high stress. And you'll see that like if you ever buy a supplement that's for um, for any kind of regulating stress, there will almost always be B vitamins in there. Um, vitamin D is also um, one that we are commonly deficient in. Um, even I was surprised because I live in Arizona and I garden. So I'm outside all the time. This is the Um, the vitamin, it's actually a hormone that our bodies make from absorbing the sunshine. And um, I was surprised that I was low, I was only a little bit low, but like the window of I was like, just below the window of it. And the window of it is broad enough to where even if you're in the window, and you supplement, you just get to the higher end of the window. It's not um, considered a very dangerous supplement to take even if you're not deficient and it's very common to be deficient and so it's recommended that you try it if that's something that you feel drawn to that you try it and you see if there's any um benefit to it um it's critical for the production of neurotransmitters and so that's kind of a really big deal when we're dealing with all these emotions and all these things that take us from high to low to low to low to lower um we our, our brains really take a beating on being able to utilize those neurotransmitters. Our guts take a beating on being able to make those neurotransmitters. And so supporting all of those pathways is really critical. Um, zinc has a really cool um, association with trauma because um, it increases immune, immune function. And our immune function comes from our gut. And so since our guts have been so destroyed, it will really support that pathway. But it also blocks um, dopamine reuptake. So in our system, our, our bodies put out dopamine, you know, our, our glands put out dopamine, and we have this, this feel good hormone in our system, we also have these reuptake sites. And what they do is they um, absorb the dopamine. That's floating around in our body. And so that's what an antidepressant does, only it does it for serotonin. It blocks the reuptake of it so that we can have more serotonin in our system. So zinc actually blocks the dopamine reuptake. And, you know, dopamine is that very, um, that feel good hormone that is really pleasant. And so this can be a beneficial effect in um, in trauma, and then it also supports the um, BDNF. Let me look up so I can remind myself what that stands for: the brain-derived neurotrophic factor, um, which is critical in our um, in our functioning and producing neurotransmitters. And so that's another um, supportive pathway. Um, selenium reduces oxidative stress and accumulation of visceral fat, which we both talked about. Um, omega-3 fatty acids have been shown to have an anti-inflammatory effect and an antidepressant effect. Um, both really helpful. And then this last one is a really neat supplement that I, I don't think is very commonly known of. Um, it's called phosphatidyl serine and it decreases the hyperactivity of the fight or flight mechanism. It essentially lowers cortisol. Um, I've taken this a lot um because I've had issues with my sleep and this has been recommended by every doctor that I've ever seen or even talked to um to try that um phosphatidyl serine and it um, it is that's its job is to decrease that hyperactivity um, that we have in the, the fight or flight mechanism of our brain. So those are some just suggested supplements out of the book, um, The Transformation. And if you want to read more about it, I highly suggest that book. It's it's really it's a really good read and it's a really holistic approach because they talk about, he talks about gratitude um, in the book. Let me just run through the, the chapters. It's a really holistic approach that I really appreciate. Um, Talks about emotion and managing emotions and um, learning to get in tune to your inner guidance and befriending your body. So a lot of self-compassion and then taming triggers and um, how, um, how to use animals for healing, animal therapy. And um, it talks about forgiveness and finding meaning and purpose. And so it just, it's got a lot of really good stuff, a lot of good stuff that goes right along with first principles. All right. So we have a few minutes. Is there anybody that had anything to add or had any questions? I do,
1: Kara. You've done uh, just a fabulous job in like giving us a real broad overview. Of things in such a beautiful way and I've touched on so many of the really important points and so I just want to thank you and and just I guess share with those that are listening that this is such a huge topic like Kara mentioned that each one of these each one of her sentences could be an hour-long um, explanation of why 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 would you Want to make this change. And so she's given us a great overview and broad perspective of things. And, you know, your body knows what it needs. And so if there's something in particular that has resonated with you, to just start there. You know, that you, you have to start someplace. And it does seem kind of overwhelming, but just take baby steps. And pretty soon you'll realize, wow, you'll look back and think, I've come a long way in my journey and in, in making intentional worthwhile, meaningful steps that benefit my, my body. So I just wanted to say great job.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad you are here, Janine. It really means a lot to have that support. And it's so true. It's just like, it's hard to notice in the moment, and especially because there's going to be withdrawal symptoms, so it's going to feel worse before it feels better, and it's going to feel counterintuitive because your body has been utilizing things to to cope and to be able to have the feelings that you desire, and all these feelings are going to come up that you've been trying to um, work through and that you've been trying to mitigate, and so it just it really is a it's a, um, it's a work in progress. And just because you don't see results um, right away doesn't mean that it's not happening. Like I said, when I did the GAP diet, which was a huge, like total dietary overhaul, we set a date and just totally jumped in, um, didn't do anything gradually. And, um and it, it was the six month mark that I looked back and I started like, Recognizing this was going on, this was happening these things that were happening that I didn't even realize were issues until they went away and I think that that's that's more common than having this huge transformation within a few weeks of just all of a sudden having all this energy and feeling great um that it's much more common that it's a process over time that you look back and you realize that you've come away um. Another thing is like, especially with the sugar, but even with like the vegetables and eating healthy, your taste buds adapt to what you're eating. And, um, and it's really hard to, to feel this if you haven't had this experience, but when you get so far away from having sugar and processed foods, um, they actually lose their appeal. And I'm not Kidding. They really do. They really do lose their appeal. You know, even though you feel like I'm a sugar person, I'd rather die than miss out on sugar. If you go through the process of detoxing from that taste in your mouth, they do become unappealing. And it it's, it, it it amazes me. It amazes me going back and doing it again. Like I knew that time would happen, and now that I'm there again and having been completely sugar-free for the last three months, I'm amazed at how strong that feeling is that I taste something that I used to love. And I'm just kind of like, eh, like I don't, I don't see the appeal anymore. And the same thing happens with vegetables where vegetables are, might not be enjoyable when you first start eating more and more of them, but they get to be more enjoyable. They get to be something you look forward to. They get to be something you crave and you think about. And, um, and so I just kind of wanted to put that out there that there's, that it's not like this thing of deprivation, like you're going to lose everything you enjoy and have to eat everything you despise. Your taste buds change, everything evens out and you come to this new place of equilibrium where your body wants these nourishing foods. Janine, is that your, your experience Add a second witness here?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. 100% can validate everything that you've said. Like that has been my experience as well.
0: Thank you. All right. Thank you, girl. It's been awesome.
1: Okay. Thanks, Kara. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have enjoyed this bonus episode. The audio you have just listened to is a free class taught in the Worth program by our Worth members. These classes are just one of the amazing services Worth has to offer. You can join us next week for one of our regular episodes.
2: Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen. Or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.